Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. series has been focused on the nativity and creating it, and we began with Mary. That's always a good place to begin. But of course, Mary's reading came from the gospel account of Luke, and the other gospel account that contains the the nativity story and the birth narratives of Jesus is the gospel account of Matthew, and so you heard that just a moment ago. And Matthew focuses a little differently. Mary is emphasized in Luke and Joseph is emphasized in Matthew, for Matthew is very concerned with the lineage into which Jesus will be born, not because he is genetically linked to King David, but because he will be adopted by Joseph. And in Jesus and Joseph's day, adoption was considered to be just as authoritative as birth. And so even though he didn't share genetically with the lineage of David, he had all of the rights and the connections and the lineage by virtue of Joseph being willing to claim him as his own. And today, Joseph is one of those characters that can be glossed over. It's too easy to kind of ignore Joseph. In fact, if you have a really small crush, which as you can see, we do not have, but if you have a small crush at home, you know that it can be difficult to try to fit all these pieces in here. And next thing you know, Joseph is kind of off in the back, kind of lurking back there. You know, Mary's all up on baby Jesus, and then by the time you start putting in shepherds and wise men, and uh, it, it can get very crammed. In fact, every year when I walk through the nativity story with the preschoolers, I involve them by letting them make directorial decisions. So I say, okay, so we're at the shepherds. Now, the shepherd's been over here with the sheep. Does he take the sheep or not? And more often than not, most of the kids go, yeah, the sheep should go see baby Jesus too, because that's what every woman who's just given birth wants, <laughs> sheep to come in and enrich the birth space. So they, it can get very crowded in there. And now there's always that one kid that goes, no, that's gross. That, no, they should wait outside. And I, while I appreciate that mindset, and generally that's my child, that's like, that's weird. But uh, it, it is important for us to realize that this is a radically complicated scene. Now, for those of us who either grew up in the church or we've been around for long enough that we see a nativity and we almost become numb to how profound it is, that one of the holiest moments in all of time took place in this. And here is Joseph, and Joseph is one who really does get to choose what his role will be. The angel comes to him after he has made a really difficult decision. Imagine being Joseph, clearly a righteous man, as the narrator tells us. Joseph was righteous, and he was engaged to marry a young woman in her teenage years, and all of a sudden, Joseph knows that she is pregnant, and he knows it's not his. By religious and societal standards at the time, it's quite possible that she's committed adultery, that she has been unfaithful to him, and he would be well within his rights to have her drug out and stoned. He would be well within his rights to have her publicly shamed and humiliated. And yet Joseph, because of his righteousness and his relationship with God, refuses to do this. 
our text tells us that he had decided to quietly set her aside, not to draw attention to her, not to shame her or humiliate her or cause her to endure any kind of emotional and verbal abuse, but instead to just let her go on her way and he would keep walking in the path of righteousness. He makes this decision and he goes to bed. And there he has a divine encounter. And Encounters and dreams are very normative in Scripture. In fact, the Joseph of Genesis has dreams in which he receives divine revelation and knowledge. Of course, his dreams tend to make everybody upset. But Joseph's dream here is to affirm for him, do not be afraid to take Mary. Don't be afraid because there is something at work here that is radically different and new. God is doing this thing that no one would have seen coming. Yes, there was a prophecy that said a virgin shall bear a son and he will be the Savior, Emmanuel. But what does that mean for us? Joseph trying to wrap his head around, what am I being asked to do? I'm now being asked to look like a fool for the sake of my God. To take someone, everybody will know that that's not my child. Everybody will know that she has somehow not done what was normal and what was the standard, what was to be done by a good Jewish woman. Instead, all of a sudden, she turns up pregnant, and now I'm supposed to help redeem this in some way? And the angel encourages him. And what the angel is telling him to do is something truly significant. It's not just God has a purpose for you, Joseph, and you need to go and fulfill this purpose. Instead, for one of the first times in Scripture, God is saying, I need you to trust what I am doing in another person. I am doing something completely new and different, something radical and transformative, something slightly unorthodox. And I need you to trust me at work in Mary. I need you to support her call, which is so unique and different from anyone else. And so the angel is encouraging Joseph to do something that is very hard for Christians. To look at another person and to hear them articulate a call or a purpose or a way of accomplishing a similar call and purpose to our own, but radically different in how it works out on the road, is really hard for us. It would be easy if we all had the same call and if we all lived that out the same way. Then you would know when someone was doing something risky and wrong. Unfortunately, God doesn't work that way. This is just one more example of God doing a new thing. And it is not without risk. I'm sure that they were shunned in their willingness to walk the path that God had placed before Joseph and Mary. Think about it. This is where they had to stay. They stayed here because there was no room anywhere else because people wouldn't make room for a pregnant teenage woman. They had to stay here because even though all of his family had come to Bethlehem to be counted, aunts, uncles, cousins, All kinds of family that were genealogically related had gathered here to this place, and not one would take them in. And they were relegated to this. 
and here in the presence of animals and hay, and you know what animals do in hay? Our Savior was born. And we sing about the lowly circumstances of his birth, but do we really take a moment to appreciate that it was lowly because human beings weren't willing to trust that God could do something different here? Human beings were not willing to see the redemption that he was trying to provide for her. They certainly wouldn't listen. Oh, so she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Sure she is. And you are okay with this. You're going to allow her to come into our lineage. Our genealogy is going to be compromised because you think that God is doing this thing. God's never done this before. Why would God do this? And so it was that this became one of the most profound scenes for God being with humankind. Because humankind wasn't ready to receive God any other way. We cannot continue that legacy in the church. One of the greatest institutionalized sins of the church across denominations and throughout time is that we have failed to see that God can do things different with different people. People who don't talk like us or look like us or act like us. They come from different parts of the world. They have different cultures. They express themselves differently. And it makes us uncomfortable because it is not like us. And time and time again, the church has said, God can't be doing that. I can't see God there. And yet, time and time again, the Holy Spirit will not be stopped. The Holy Spirit would not let this turn out any other way. And it wasn't a one and done for Joseph. It wasn't, okay, fine, I'll get her to Bethlehem, we'll have a baby, and we're going to call this a day, right? Instead, he will have a total of four dreams. The first dream is, it's okay to take Mary. I'm doing something new here. The second dream will be just a few verses later when Herod finds out about the wise men coming to visit. And then Herod will search out the child to kill him. And the the angel will appear to Joseph again in a dream and tell him about this. People are searching to destroy the Christ child. You must flee to Egypt. Egypt. Our people spent 400 years trying to get out of Egypt. And you want us to go there. Because the Messiah of Israel, God's people, is going to come from a foreign country. And that's precisely what they will do. Hence the lantern he's holding. To lead them in flight by night to the sanctuary of a foreign country. And there they will stay until Herod passes away. And the angel appears in yet another dream. It's okay to go home. But Joseph learns that Herod's son is now in charge of Judea. And so the, the angel will appear for a final time and say, all right, don't go back to Bethlehem. Go north to Nazareth. And our story will continue. But every time, could we blame Joseph if he said, I can't do any more of this. It's starting to be ridiculous what you're asking of me here. I agreed to marry her and raise her kid. Is that not enough? And yet the Holy Spirit constantly tells us there is more. There is more that we can do. There is more we have to offer. There is more blessing we can bestow. There is so much more. 
if we will walk this path. But the beauty is that not all of us are on the same path. We're just all heading to the same destination. Every one of us, whether our path is through the high places or the low places, the valleys or the plains, every single one of us is headed for the kingdom. And when the church starts saying to one another, you have to walk our path this way as we say to this cadence and this beat, then we are neglecting the truth that God can carve mountains to make a path for God's people. He can part the waters. He can bring low the mountains. He can raise up the valleys. There is nothing that our God cannot do. So why do we insist that God can't do that in this person? We hear it all the time. And there are so many opportunities for us to support, to go, you know, that's not my gift, it's not my call, but God love you and go forth in that. And we are amazed by how often people just need to know that we are with them and for them and supporting them. Because sometimes people have crazy ideas, right? Like this idea that dozens of our children are actually going to practice evangelism by telling the greatest story ever told. They're going to get up in front of you and in front of others, and they are going to dare to sing and speak and show their faith. Now, not every one of us wants to be in charge of costuming and set design and child wrangling. But we also don't need to respond to that by going, you know what? We shouldn't be funding that kind of stuff. That's not my cup of tea. And, you know, they, they should be doing what I really like. We're going to teach all these kids Lectio Divina and contemplative prayer. And we're going to end every meeting with fasting. We could do that. We could. Or we could say, you know what? We're going to acknowledge that God is doing something powerful here. We are teaching children to live and breathe the gospel. They are going to have the opportunity to do what so many adults won't do, stand up and declare their faith before others. And if we don't teach them to do that now, then how will the gospel continue? We live in a church where it's very possible that you could say, you know what, I'm not going to support that. I'm not going to fund it. I'm going to go out in the parking lot and talk bad about it. I'm going to try to get on a committee and change votes. But instead, we have been so blessed by people who say, that's not for me, but I'm not going to take it away from you. Because I recognize that in stripping someone else of their unique call and mission work, what I'm really doing is saying to God, you can't do that. I'm not willing to let you do this, O oh Lord, this way. Because I'm not comfortable with that, and I don't want to be a part of that. Yet, people have dared to do new things time and time again. I have no doubt that at one point somebody said, hey, let's be a part of an angel tree. And somebody said, we've never done that before. What is it going to cost? But instead, the church said, we can do this. And not only can we do it with one angel tree, we can do it with two angel trees. We can do more because we don't all have to walk the same path. We just all have to serve the same God. And Joseph shows us that. Mary's path was not his. They walked side by side. 
They influenced each other, but his path was unique. And he had all kinds of stress and anxiety and fear that were very different from a young woman having her first child. But they didn't let the difference in their calls negate the support of the other. And that is truly what the church brings to its mission and its ministry work. That we don't all have to be the same. And you'll notice that if we pay attention to the story of the nativity, they don't all come at the same time. They don't all come from the same places. What you don't see is that somewhere out on the countryside, outside of our stable right now, are shepherds keeping watch over their flocks. And when the angels come to them and invite them to come and see, they will come from a different trajectory. And then there's the wise men all the way back in the sound booth, coming from afar. And they too will come. They didn't hear angels. They saw a star. Is their call any less because we hear angels and they saw a star? If we all end up on our knees worshiping our God and King, does it matter? We have the opportunity this Christmas to look at this in an entirely new way. And for some of us, Mary resonates so deeply. For some of us, it may be the shepherds who were privileged to come and see the newborn king. For others of us, it may be the pomp and circumstance of the Magi. But I hope for one day that all of us feel something akin with Joseph. Someone who was chosen because of his righteousness to continue to guide and guard and enable God to do something truly unique, miraculous, and necessary in Mary. If that's not what it means to be a disciple of the living God, I don't know what is. We are called to this because there are people who feel like they are too different, they are too bizarre, they are too out there to be welcomed in here. And when our church starts to look more and more like the stable, crammed full of things that you would never see together, only then will we start to show people that the miracle of the manger wasn't that we can fit this in small places, but that the story is so big that people and animals from all over, all walks of life, can find a home here. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.